Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Disruptions in the global food supply chain due to the pandemic and the war in Ukraine have been making the headlines for quite some time, haven't they? Singapore has been known to see the value of building a resilient supply of essential food resources and of investing in high-tech farming and innovative farming methods. And we've been doing so more and more in the last few years. After all, we're not particularly known for agriculture or vegetable production, are we? And for good reason. In land-scarce countries like ours, large areas being set aside for farming would simply be an inefficient use of resources. And for that reason, companies such as Arkisen, a Singapore-based agri-tech company that designs, builds and operates solutions to grow ultra-fresh, ultra-local produce in cities, have come up with great tech-enabled solutions. And to talk more about these, we're joined now by Chen Mei Yue, Channel Manager at Arkisen. Hi, Mei Yue. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Help us understand this first of all. We're talking here about urban farming and you work with crop scientists and farm engineers to also look into farm architecture that has to translate to meet and lead consumer demand efforts. So how did you guys go about transforming conventional agriculture into this agritech? Yeah, so agriculture is an industry that has been around for thousands of years. So the reason why there's an impending need to revolutionize the traditional methods is because land is scarce. And while population is still growing, if you look at the current land usage, half of the world's habitable land space is actually used for agriculture. If we don't better maximize this space, then how can we meet the nutritional needs of the people? So what we do at Arkisen is really to combine our engineering and crop growing expertise to grow vegetables more efficiently in farms. And by building farms that are optimized for specific crop types, we actually achieve maximum yield with the least amount of resources possible. Mm. Okay, so talk to us about locations, because when people first started talking about urban farming, I think the most often mentioned location was just on rooftops. But this goes beyond that. And I know that there are growing systems as well, soy based systems, vertical towers, deep water culture. There are many ways of doing this. What exactly are you guys doing? So what we are doing is actually a control environment that is indoor. And of course, there are a lot of different um, models, different ways of growing. For us specifically, it's a controlled indoor environment using the hydroponic system. Okay, so when we say hydroponic, I can already tell what some people will be asking. So is this like organic vegetables? But I'm sure there's a difference, right? So for the consumer listening in right now, if they want to pick an option that's out there, What's your advice? How would you explain the differences so that they can make a more informed choice? Yeah, I think this is one of the questions that we get really often. Mm. So hydroponic and organic, they are totally different things. I cannot advise on any one of them. Instead, um, what I can do is actually paint a picture Mm. for you to make the decision yourself. And what's what's the key difference between the both of them is that hydroponics actually refer to using water as a growing medium. So unlike traditional farming, which uses soil, hydroponics uses water. And since water is directly in touch with the plant roots, hydroponic system actually saves up to 90% of the amount of water used compared to traditional farming. So this system, like I mentioned just now, like we mentioned just now, it can be placed on rooftops, 
in greenhouses, in homes, and in controlled environments. And in a controlled environment, you are able to grow these vegetables without any pesticide at all. On the other hand, organic actually refers to the way that food products are grown and processed. So specifically, synthetic pesticides and fertilizers cannot be used. But pesticides of natural origin, pesticides and fertilizers of natural origin can be used. So that is the one common misconception that the public have about organic, is that organic equals pesticide free. But really, it isn't. So which is really better, like hydroponics or organic, they refer to entirely different things. And typically, consumers will be concerned about, you know, GMO pesticide usage. Mm. So let's say if you are looking for, like, if you did, if you do choose like an organic vegetable, you can be sure that there's no GMO, but likely there will be pesticide. And only if the label's right, that there's no pesticide and no GMO, then you can be certain that it doesn't have both. And that's what Arkisan does. Now, you mentioned earlier that you're able to produce more with less. Tell us more about the process behind this. How have you managed over the years to achieve this? Over the years, um, we really started off as a company that built sensors. So by building sensors and monitoring the growth environment, that's how we are able to attain like a very precise way of farming. And I think um, Singapore's scarcest resource is really land. And with our technology, um, with our vertical technology, I think the closest example that you can think about is how library books, you know, how they are stacked vertically upwards. And that's exactly the case for our plants. You know, if we stack them vertically, instead of compared to a traditional farm, one head of lettuce would take up some amount of space. And in a vertical system, you are able to stack 20 of them in that same amount of space. So if you just look at this example alone, that's like 20 times more efficiently used in terms of like the resources that we have. And you're not at the mercy of the weather or climate change for that matter. Exactly. We're not. <laughs> mm, mm. That certainly helps. I think a lot of agricultural communities overseas have been making headlines for all the wrong reasons because of the impact of climate change on their crops. And mm. a solution like that would certainly help. I understand you have turnkey solutions that others can use as well. Give me an idea of what these are about. When it comes to this, we are looking at sensors that monitors the entire growing system. So if we look at our current farm, we actually have seven different grow rooms. And within the seven different grow rooms, they actually have very different climates that is suited for specific specific plant types. So the things that we monitor are such as CO2, such as the nutrients. And when it comes to dosing, it actually is an automated system that doses and introduces this element automatically so that it removes the human element from it and makes the whole monitoring much, much easier. I understand that one of your co-founders, Sven Yeo, is somewhat of a connoisseur of vegetables and that's why he started the company, looking to attain ideal vegetable produce. So how many types of vegetables do you guys currently farm? <laughs> I think I'm going to start calling that the next time I see him, <laughs> of greens. Why not, yeah. right? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> In our farm, currently we grow seven different types of vegetables, mostly salad greens and three specialty greens. So what we have in the farm, these seven types, it doesn't sound like much, 
And that's exactly the reason why, like there's a very specific reason why we actually choose to only stick to these seven. Mm. And that's because of yield maximization. Like with the same amount of space that we have, we want to make sure that the yield is the highest possible. And by specializing in these few, we can be the best at growing them. So upcoming actually, do stay tuned. We have five more different types of vegetables, such as Asian greens and multiple different types. And that will come along with our new farm. What exactly is the magnitude of demand among Singaporeans for vegetables? When it comes to the number, we don't have a specific number to it yet. But if we look at the 30 by 30 goal by SFA, Mm. we are, as a collective, we are hitting about 10% towards that goal that we are looking at achieving. So that is huge progress, considering that we are still a very new industry in Singapore. Do you think the 30 by 30 goal is achievable? It takes so many hands to clap, but definitely it's a dream that we are all working towards. Mm. Okay, so in case you are just tuning in and you don't quite know what 30 by 30 is, it's the country's aim to build our agri-food industry's capabilities and capacities to produce 30% of our nutritional needs locally and sustainably by the year 2030, hence 30 by 30. So here's the thing, the kicker. Is this all more expensive for the consumer or is it cheaper, in fact? When it comes to the price, it's a chicken and egg problem. You mm. see. So we do need the demand to be able to, we do need the demand figures to know how much exactly to go and how much to supply. The thing is, at this point in time, given that the supply, given that the demand is low for the local vegetables, then the supply is also low, which keeps the prices high. So, you know, it, it really takes so many hands to clap. And of course, the support from the consumers that, you know, when it comes to local, it's not just about, you know, supporting that narrative. It's about thinking about the bigger picture, thinking about the long run. You know, what exactly is it that you want to achieve as Singaporeans? And that, you know, this this goal that we are reaching, like, you know, it could be something that, that could help us overlook the higher prices at this point in time. Mm. I certainly hope so. Although I'm not that optimistic, I think a lot of people fixate on price, especially during these times, you know, inflation, it's such a pain, isn't it? But I certainly do hope that people do look beyond that, as you suggested as well. Now, much has been made about the economics of farming, not just in Singapore, but elsewhere as well. How scalable is this solution? To what extent can it be replicated to help neighbouring countries? Definitely. When it comes to this this system, this technology that we are looking at, we're not just looking at Singapore alone. We are also looking at, you know, bringing this technology overseas. It's just now I've mentioned about, you know, habitable land space and 50% of it is used for agriculture. So let's say if we can better maximize this space, not just in Singapore, but overseas, that would be the best. And that that's something that, you know, can actually help. It, it can help meet the nutritional needs of the global population and not just Singapore. So if we can bring this to cities abroad or even like the countryside abroad, I think that would be something that it's, it's something that we are striving towards as a company as well. Now, just as climate change has a negative impact on agriculture, 
A lot of people have pointed out that industrial farming actually exacerbates climate change as well. So how do you, in this very technologically advanced setup, ensure that your own carbon footprint is small so that while you produce sustainable food, you're also being environmentally friendly? When it comes to being environmentally friendly, if we look at our current technology, what we are able to save on is definitely water. Because instead of using that same amount of water to hydrate the soil, then we are using it like it's more efficiently used, you see. So then the thing is when it comes to the water saving, it's almost up to 90%. But of course, being an indoor environment, we are looking also at the higher electricity bills. It's always a give and take, right? And to be truly sustainable, we are looking at buildings that are truly green using, you know, um, green energy and even um, such as wind, water, etc. instead of relying on fossil fuel as a source of energy. Now, some individuals in agritech have said that some of these solutions can actually help with reducing food waste. To what extent is that true? Food waste... If we look at it on a whole, it's everywhere. So even in our farm, there are also certain amounts of waste when it comes to the processing and when it comes to, um, you know, packaging the end product. And there are certain parts that actually does not make it through the QC process. So when it comes to this, we are actually working, looking at the whole Singapore economy and we are looking at working with different players, such as worm farms, for instance, where we can actually collaborate with them and actually these waste, because they are still perfectly good vegetables when it comes to like the diet of like a, like an insect. So then the thing is like this way we can actually, you know, create a whole circular and green economy where we are able to keep the waste to zero. When it comes to, yeah, like when it comes to the supply chain, we are also looking at working very closely with our supermarket partners to keep the, the demand and the supply to, to, to match that and to really keep the waste, to minimize the waste as much as possible. In the event where we are not able to sell it, then definitely we are looking at donations. And this is where we are able to um, make full use of whatever that we are growing, keeping the food waste to zero. May I just one more thing, because this is something I've heard people on the street saying, I don't want to eat something that's made in a lab or a greenhouse or on a rooftop somewhere. I want something that's grown from the ground. So to what extent has getting buy-in from consumers been a challenge? I think there is a very, that is a very valid concern that people have. You know, they want their food, they want their food, they want their vegetables to be from a natural origin. thing is, when it comes to the definition of natural, if we look at organic standards like we've mentioned just now, organic doesn't necessarily mean that it's any better. Like even organic standards still requires the use of pesticides. So then the thing is, like, in, in that case, then do you really know what you are putting into your body in that mm. case? So I guess when it comes to, you know, food, whatever that we are consuming today, um, it is definitely also up to the due diligence of the consumer to educate themselves in terms of what they are putting in their body. And when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to, like, growing vegetables in farm, growing it in an indoor environment, it does not necessarily mean that it is, you know. If anything, it is in a cleaner environment because there is a physical barrier that stops pests from coming in. 
So then the thing is like, you don't have to be worried that space kind of resembles a lab because in fact, it makes the vegetable all the more cleaner than that of the outside environment, which is subjected to so many different factors. Exactly. Thank you very much for that, Mei Yue. Chen Mei Yue, Channel Manager at Arkison. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.